We are beginning a series we do around this time every year called Kingdom Builders. And the idea behind this series is that we get to celebrate what God has been doing through our church. We get to hear the invitation and talk about what it means to build the kingdom of God. We get to talk about things like generosity, which means that yes, we will talk about money, a five letter cuss word in churches. If you're squirming right now, if you're like, I brought a friend today for the first time, you're gonna talk about money. If you have church baggage surrounding money in church, I actually believe these next few weeks will be healing for you. I believe that you're gonna hear the heart of this church, you're gonna hear the heart of God, and you're gonna be opened up to a new reality than maybe you were given or taught before in your life. I love this series, I'm excited because we're talking about money, yes, but we're talking about more than that. We're talking about something called stewardship. Stewardship is what I wanna talk about today, and stewardship is the job of supervising or taking care of something, such as an organization or property. So in short, in light of the kingdom of God, you are an asset manager for God. You can wake up every morning with a smile on your face like George Michael Bluth in Arrested Development and say, I'm Mr. Manager or Mrs. Manager, just manager. Anybody watch that show? Just me, great. You are an asset manager for God. Here is the foundational, most important principle you can understand to understand stewardship. Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. You can dig into that scripture and put context to it and I'll tell you what it means. Everything belongs to God. Everything is his. Which is why it sounds kind of funny when we say mine to God. No, God, that's mine. I don't want you getting involved in that part of my life because that's mine. Recently, my three-year-old told me that our dog is his dog, not my dog. He said, Daddy, Bowser's my dog, not your dog. And I looked at him and I said, is he though? I paid for the dog. I still pay for the dog. His vet bills, every month that Amazon Prime subscription shows up with his bag of food. And I, I do say this to him, you can ask my wife. Every month I say, well, Bowser, congratulations. You get to live for another month. The dog's here because of me. In fact, the dog was here before my son. Zeke, you're a part of a family that has a dog. You get to take part in having a dog, but the dog's mine. The dog is here because of me. And actually, son, you're here because of me too. Which I think is how we often sound to God. No, God, that's my relationship. Is it though? That's my money. Is it? If everything belongs to God, what's really yours? You're alive right now because God chose to create you and give you oxygen to keep breathing. So what's really yours? Which is a humbling reality that everything belongs to God, but an amazing invitation of freedom when you realize that he has put things in your hands to steward. He has invited you to build his kingdom. Now, speaking of animals, in 1945, E.B. White published a book that many of you have read or seen the movie, Stuart Little. I don't really remember much about it other than it was about a mouse. According to Wikipedia, it is a realistic yet fantastical story, which is contradictory, about a mouse-like human boy named Stuart Little. Point is, it's hard to hear the name Stuart if you grew up with that book around and not think Stuart Little. And knowing that's stuck in so many of our heads, I have titled the message today, Steward Big. I'm a dad, I can do stuff like that. 
and hope and pray that the stupidity of that play on words sticks in your head. So in the moments in life when it's so tempting and easy to go, no, God, that's mine. You'll be reminded, no, 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 I'm a steward. And I'm gonna steward big with whatever God places in my hands. So I wanna invite you into stewardship. But before we talk about things like money, I wanna make sure you hear the heart of this church. We are a church that will say, hey, if you're struggling to pay bills or pay for groceries this week, take cash out of those baskets in the back. That's a family pot. Here's why we say that. If we're going to call you to live a life of open-handed stewardship, then we need to go first and lead you there. And so we will have the heart posture as a church to always hold our hands open with however God blesses us, whatever he pours into this place. We believe at Red Rocks Church, we are not called to be vaults, we are called to be vessels vessels for the kingdom of God. This is just who we are. Generosity is one of our pillars. The very first building that Red Rocks ever owned after it first launched in Denver in the early 2000s was a safe house in India given to a ministry when there wasn't much money in the bank for the church, but wanted to meet a huge need that this ministry had. When we did our first Kingdom Builders offering in 2019 here at Red Rocks Austin, the first building we've ever owned, the only building we've ever owned, was a house we purchased for a family in Honduras who needed one. When we sat in Sean's office, our pastor up in Denver, who's gonna preach next week, so come back. We sat in his office talking about this idea to go plant a Red Rocks church in Austin, Texas. He told us, hey, here's the one thing I want you to know. If you're gonna go down, go down generously. When life gets tough, when things get hard, you stay generous. Not knowing a pandemic was coming, not knowing the entire world would turn upside down. You stay generous, it's who we are. We are not about trying to keep the lights on in a church. We are about building a generous generation of people who hear the call to be kingdom builders and see something bigger than building the kingdom of me or the kingdom of Red Rocks, but building the kingdom of God. That's what we're about. I remember when I kind of woke up to this reality. I was a young adult, Doug and I were living in Southern California. We went to Sunday night services at this awesome church and every week it was like, I don't wanna miss it. Every sermon was so great. It was speaking into my life. I was new in my faith. And then we showed up one night and the topic was money. And I reacted how maybe some of you did in your heart this morning. I thought, oh great, here we go. Classic church, just wants our money. God just needs my money, to which Doug always says, really, how much money do you have that God needs your money? I don't have much money. I don't wanna get a guilt trip and give to your church. Just leave me alone. That's how I felt. And I was disarmed that night because the pastor pointed out the effects that money was having on me, how I was living my life like this, but it was at the end of his sermon that it woke something up in me. He started talking about, hey, if, if the reality was that all Christians like put their money where their mouths were and tithed and gave and, and built the kingdom and were generous and open-handed, if collectively all the Christians in America decided to do that and the church was able to go and use those resources to bless the communities they were in and reach the ends of the earth, there would be a day when we read about things like hunger, and a lack of access to clean drinking water and education, things like human trafficking, we would read about those things in history books. People would look back and go, wait, there was a time when people were dying of starvation all over the world? One of the number one killers in the world was just waterborne illnesses because people didn't have clean water to drink? People were being sold as property, trafficked? What happened? The Christians stepped up. The church stood up and said, not on our watch. We're going to eradicate evil from this world because we're bringing heaven here. And I felt this invitation that night and I thought, okay, God, I don't know if I'm really good at much. I don't have much money in my bank account. I don't even know what I'm gonna do with my life, but I wanna be a part of that. I wanna do whatever it takes to be a part of rewriting history 
I wanna be a part of building your kingdom and changing things in this world, bringing heaven here. RSVP'd yes to an invitation of stewardship, which came with a lot of humility, a lot of challenging times, a lot of tough decisions, sacrifice that I didn't wanna make. Not long after that, I remember standing in a village in the middle of Africa with Doug and Ryan, and we were having to decide together how to best steward literally one dollar, one US dollar, having to decide how we were gonna spend that on food, because it's what we had. And I'm thankful for those moments, and I'm thankful for saying yes to stewardship and kingdom building, because now we get to be a part of a church that gets to give a lot more than a dollar away. And I want you to hear me, the heart of our church, as your leaders, we don't take ourselves too seriously, you guys know that, but we take stewardship very seriously. And we take the invitation that God has given us to build his kingdom very seriously. And it's our greatest joy to get to be a part of it with you guys, to build the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of Red Rocks, hear me, the kingdom of God. In a culture, if we're honest, that's greedy, that's all about getting whatever you can for yourself and just holding it like this for the duration of your life, I think our culture would ask the question, and maybe some of you would ask, why the heck would I do that? Why would I steward big? Why would I open my hands and let God into something like my money or in my life? Why would I steward big? Why should I steward big? Now I've got four reasons for you. There's a lot more. The first one, steward big because it's why you exist. It's why you're here. Forgive my voice. I'm trying to get it back. Steward big because it's why you exist. God creates everything in the beginning. And in Genesis 1, he creates humankind and it says, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it or steward it, manage it. I have put you uniquely into my creation to cultivate it, partner with me, pull my glory out of creation in your unique way with the way that I made you. The things I put in your hands, you, you use those things, you cultivate and govern and steward my creation for my glory. That's why we're here. I think there's such an epidemic of purposelessness in our culture right now, in our world right now, because so many people have never heard the invitation to plug their time and their treasure and their talents into the kingdom of God, into the reason they exist. There's a reason that so many people are walking around feeling like there's no purpose. They're getting more and more of the world and feeling less and less full. Because once you build the kingdom of me, you build more and more on top of that, it's gonna fulfill you less and less because you're missing the whole point of your existence. But the moments in your life when you feel most alive, I would guess are when you see your life help somebody else. Your story, your resources, your talents, reach somebody else, do something to help somebody else, and you go, man, my heart's beating. Why is that? Because you're tapping into the whole reason you're here, your purpose. It's like watching a bald eagle soar through the air. You go, that's why that thing was made. That's just why that's here. That's you when it comes to stewardship and building the kingdom of God. You are in your most natural habitat when you are stewarding whatever God has placed in your hands for his glory. Steward big because it's why you exist. Number two, Steward big because it will free you. A lot of us don't wanna let God into places in our lives like relationships or resources. We go, that's mine. And what we find out is that closed fists suffocate. They suffocate the life out of the things that we're holding and they suffocate the life out of ourselves. Closed fists also miss out. You want some FOMO? 
If you're holding life like this, God can't pour things down to you because you're not ready to receive them. They bounce off of your hands. God's looking for vessels open like this. Can't work with a vault that won't let them in. I would guess that some of the biggest chains in this room holding people down have to do with finances, with money. Jesus was pretty clear about this. He talked a lot about it. Jesus talked about money actually more than anything else. In the Bible, there are about 500 verses on prayer. There's 2,350 about money. The Bible talks about money a whole lot. Why? Because it is the greatest obstacle in your way to loving God. Jesus says this in Matthew 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Did Jesus want people's money? No, he didn't even ask for it. A rich young ruler comes up to him and goes, hey, I keep the commandments, I feel like I'm a good guy. What do I have to do to inherit the kingdom of God and be a part of what you're doing? And Jesus goes, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Why? Because this guy loved money. Jesus knew that this guy held money like this, that money was really God in his life. Jesus didn't want his money, he wanted his heart, but he knew that money had his heart. He doesn't want your money, he wants your heart. And it just so happens that money tends to be the number one thing that grabs at it. He says in Luke 16, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and could have chosen anything, money. The Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. Like me, that night I walked into that church and heard the topic was money and I was like, ugh, sneer. If money gets brought up and you sneer, especially in a church, my guess is it's because you love money. And Jesus talked about this so much, he got in people's faces about it because we see the effects of this all through our lives. The number one reason for divorce, money. Half of marriages that end in divorce end because of money. This is why people say, make sure you get separate bank accounts or sign a prenup because it's a 50-50 shot your marriage will make it, but in the end, at least you'll still have your money because that's really what life's about, right? This is why people will say, don't go into business with your friends or family. Money's gonna get involved and it will destroy your relationships. We acknowledge this all the time. We watch the effects of it all over the place. And if you have chains of money on you, I believe stewardship will break them. For some of you, maybe money's the greatest stress in your life. It's holding you down, living paycheck to paycheck, swiping your card, hoping for the best, not knowing what the heck to do. Maybe it's time to invite God into that, to read the Bible and find out. The Bible says a whole lot about money and how to steward it and handle it. Some of you, maybe you have a lot of money and it seems like for some reason, the more and more you get, the less and less fulfilled you feel. Maybe it's time to invite God into what he's blessing you with. See what he's gonna do through you when you open your hands. Stewardship will break the chains of money in your life. Martin Luther said this, I have held many things in my hands and I have lost them all, but whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. There is so much freedom found in knowing that God is in this with you and whatever's in your hands. Maybe it's not money, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's something else, but inviting God into that, placing it in his hands, that is where you find freedom. Proverbs eleven twenty eight says, those who trust in their riches will fall 
but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Trust in the provider, not in the provision. Steward big because it will free you. Number three, steward big because life is short. Do you know who will not be at my funeral? My money, my car, my car won't even be invited. <laughs> my stuff, nothing wrong with those things, but there is something wrong if that's what my whole life was about. I sure hope that the things that were in my hands actually helped bless people that show up to my funeral. Jesus said, don't store up for yourself things that uh, rust, moth and rust can destroy. Because in that time, what people really wanted was precious metals and cloths. Keeping up with the Joneses meant you had some cool metal and cloth. And he goes, hey, a group of moths, the off-brand butterfly can destroy that. <laughs> in a day, what you've spent your whole life about can go away like that. Somebody can break into your house, some water gets poured on this and over. Today, he'd probably say, hey, don't spend your whole life just trying to accumulate as many devices that can't withstand a glass of water pouring on them unless you have a bag of rice close by. <laughs> Time to make some eternal investments. That's what Jesus is saying. First Peter 4.10 says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now this points us to our last reason, but before we get there, do you know what Peter says a few verses before this when he calls us to be good stewards? The end of all things is near. Here's what he knows, Jesus could come back like that. My life can end like that. We're a mist. He goes with the fleeting time that you have, use it and steward it to serve others, to build the kingdom of God, to bring people to know Jesus, their savior, the end of all things is near. So as faithful stewards, share God's grace in its various forms. Don't let the selfishness of this world shrink your life. Let stewardship expand it. Number four, steward big because you have what someone needs. Your kids need a parent who's a steward, who knows that they are kids given on loan by God. Those are God's kids. You have been entrusted to steward their lives and bring his glory out of those lives. Your spouse needs a steward who sees your marriage as more than just does this make me happy today, but as a gift from God to cultivate that relationship and let the glory of God be seen through your marriage and the good and the bad. Generations to come need a steward. When you read about stewardship in the Bible, it's not just about giving money away. There's biblical instruction that you are called to provide in the here and now for your family. You are called to steward wisely for the future, to leave an inheritance, to think about the people after you, how you can leave a spiritual blessing, a financial blessing, how you can steward for the people that God has placed in your life and for the people far away that have something that you need or need something that you have. The poor, we live in the richest country in the history of the world. There's a lot of people in this world who need what we have. So you may hear that and go, great. I would love to be a good steward. I would love to steward big with my life. However, I am living paycheck to paycheck. I don't know what the heck to do. Thanks to high school, I know a whole lot about European history. I know nothing about how to manage money. 
And I wanna encourage you today, if finances are a place of chaos or struggle or you feel alone, you don't know what to do, maybe there's immense debt in your life and you just think, I could never become a steward. That sounds great, I'll never get there. I wanna encourage you through the story of some amazing people in this church, Mitch and Amber Nelson, who have felt the immense weight of money on their shoulders and have watched God work as they open their hands to become some of the freest, most generous people I know. So check out their story. We were together for a few years and um, finally asked Amber to, to marry me and thankfully she said yes. We decided, you know, in, in, in going to church, we, we wanted to, to go to a premarital counseling. One of the breakout sessions was was uh, all about finances and teaching biblical finance. Our eyes were really opened about making sure that as a couple, we managed our money together and that, that we teamed up to make sure that, that we, you know, were good stewards of our money and, and that we, we could um, kind of attack money together. So we had <clears throat> every kind of debt you could think of. And so when we totaled, totaled it up on the paper, it ended up being about $95,000. No, you kind of beat yourself up when you have a lot of debt to bring to the table and you don't want your significant other to have any responsibility of paying that off. We started making progress, like little by little, we started realizing that, hey, this stuff works. And what God says in the Bible about money actually has an impact. I remember getting a letter in the mail. Once you paid off those student loans, that letter comes in and it says you're no longer you don't owe any more money. It was the last chain that was broken for mm -hmm. me because I knew that was part of what I brought to the table, but it was something that we accomplished together. I mean, we looked back, we're like, how do we do this? <laughs> you know, because the math didn't make sense. And so that's to me where, where God provided for us and um, kind of changed the thinking about money. We were told early that, um, that giving is a big piece and generosity is, the most fun that you can have with money. And even when we were, you know, in the midst of paying off our debt and still not having a lot of extra money to deal with, we still prioritize giving. And I think we both were very amazed at how God provided for us, even during that. He doesn't want you to be so close-fisted mm -hmm. with your finances that it's all mine, mine, mine. He wants you to have open hands about it because when you have open hands, you have an open heart. And having good stewardship, um, not only for ourselves, is gonna teach our girls yeah. in the future to be good stewards of God's money too and, and be set up for the future for themselves as well. Being good stewards of our resources, I think means it's not just about money, but it's about time. It's about using our talents and and helping the church uh, move forward. When we teach our class, it's nine weeks long, and we we look at what the class accomplishes during that nine weeks, and we, we add it all up. One of our classes paid off $40,000 in debt in nine weeks. Like, how is that even possible, right? Being a kingdom builder just means being obedient. And, you know, God has a plan, not only for us and our marriage, but for this church. I think also um, being obedient and listening to God. I know that God whispers to me, mm -hmm. and sometimes it takes a couple of times for me to listen back. <laughs> but when He does speak, He He whispers, whether it be serving or giving, um, being obedient within that, 
um, is, is, is very important. I love Mitch and Amber. I love how they have stewarded their story. And I hope that that encourages you. Maybe you're in a place of struggle right now and it feels impossible. You look at a couple that said, we had $95,000 of debt and we invited God in and watched him work. Here's the thing about being a good steward or getting to become a good steward. All the vision and the why and the excitement is there, but it's all the non-sexy stuff that gets you there. Budgeting, paying down debt, analyzing the money that you have and can it fund your lifestyle. All of those really boring sounding things, but the diligence and the discipline and the obedience and handling money God's way opens up a whole new reality. And so I don't wanna just encourage you, I want to equip you when it comes to how do I practically do this? How do I handle money God's way? Maybe you have a lot of money, but you have no idea what God would say about it. What do I do with it? We've got two resources for you. First up is something called Ramsey Plus. Maybe you've heard of Dave Ramsey. He's like a Christian financial guru. And what this is, is a portal that you can create a profile and log into it. And there is a budgeting app, there are videos, there are resources to help you learn the biblical principles of money. Now, normally something like this has a cost, a subscription, but Ramsey Plus has made it possible for churches to purchase a site license that gives free access to it to everybody in the church. And before we even knew about this, this couple, Taylor and Tate Thorne, came to us and they said, hey, we believe in stewardship and kingdom building. We have found financial freedom in our lives and we want that for the people of our church. We will pay for that site license if you guys would just put the word out and get people the information. A gift to you for free for a year to have access to all kinds of resources that will help you to learn the biblical principles of stewardship. We also teach something called Financial Peace University at this church. Mitch and Amber are the teachers. They have chosen to steward their story and their time and what they've learned to help others find financial freedom, to break chains off of people. And normally Financial Peace University is something like $130, but because of this site license, it is free for anybody in this church to take starting January 11th for a nine-week class where you will get a crash course on how to handle money from a biblical perspective. This is a gift to you from amazing people like the Nelsons and the Thorns. And here's what I'll say. If you're struggling financially, if you do live paycheck to paycheck, if you're not sure how your bills are gonna get paid, please take advantage of these resources. It's free for you. Please sign up, please make a profile, please come to Financial Peace every single week and watch what God does. If you're somebody who just is interested in this idea of stewardship and what does the Bible say about money, take advantage of this. This is a gift to you. Show up, commit, and watch God work in this area of your life that can have so many chains on us. And you can learn more about that in the lobby uh, and talk to Amber and Mitch and Taylor and Tate right out there after this. I wanna encourage you and equip you and call you to the vision and the why of stewardship, but also provide you with some how. How do I go about stewarding big? And today I wanna finish this whole thing together. A lot of you, I'm preaching to the choir. We have some of the most amazing, generous people in this church who have caught the vision of building the kingdom of God, who are in this with us. And I wanna invite you all to a shareholders meeting to talk about what God has been doing in this church, specifically in the past year. I remember when uh, the pandemic was happening, we were filming our Easter service, April 2020, and I filmed a little intro in my backyard for this online service and look at the other guys after I filmed it and went, well, this might be the last Easter service we ever do. 
I don't know what's gonna happen, but we're gonna trust in God. We're gonna trust in our provider. We're gonna stay generous. And to watch what he has done in the last few years is incredible. The provision in this church family, starting with just spiritual provision in ways he's moved. This year, in 2022, we watched 170 people get baptized. Just get ready to clap. This is not 8.30, you're ready to go. 170 people who put the world on notice, my life's about Jesus and I'm going to build his kingdom. This year, 684 people attended Grow. We invite you every week and a bunch of you actually showed up. People going maybe to learn a little more about this church and, and what we're all about, but ultimately finding out that the invitation is to know God and live on purpose and come change the world with us. This year, over three semesters, we launched 198 groups. An average semester saw over 750 people taking part in family with 93 amazing leaders a semester, stewarding their leadership and their time to bring people into family and community. 313 people this year enrolled in Discover courses to deepen their faith, discover more purpose in their life. We can talk about serving all day. We have the best volunteers in the world at this church. And I'm, I'm not saying that because I'm biased, I'm saying that because it's true. And there are some of you in this room because of a volunteer who welcomed you with hospitality, because of amazing production and worship and creatives that set the table for us to experience God together as a family, the amazing crew that is raising up the next generation of the church and Red Rocks kids, the best volunteers stewarding their time and their gifts in this church. And we love to go serve outside of these four walls. Every summer, all of Red Rocks, Brussels, Denver, Austin, we all do love our city week. And this past year, we saw 800 volunteers from the Red Rocks family go out into our cities and serve on 27 different projects. <laughs> Stewarding time. As a whole, Red Rocks Outreach, the whole family this year, saw 60 outreach projects with over 2,000 volunteers and 5,000 hours served of time stewarded to love our communities. And a bunch of you took part in that. Probably the biggest celebration of the year for me my favorite group of people now in this church family, our God Behind Bars campus launched a few weeks ago. And I'll tell you this, to have a church campus, to do church in a prison, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of money. Last year, some of you bought merch, some crazy anonymous donor gave us $75,000 to green light the God Behind Bars campus. And as more red tape and expenses and things and install and all this came up, we've been able to commit to God Behind Bars forever. That there will be a team up there every single Saturday to welcome the amazing women at the Murray Unit into this church family. And here's why we do that. We serve a God who has gone to great lengths to show us how much he loves us. And we will follow and do the same. For you ladies at the Murray Unit, our team is a reminder, our church is a reminder to you every single week of the God who loves you, the value that you have, that he sent his son Jesus to pay for my sins and yours and has set you free for eternity today and forever. And no matter what today looks like, you are a kingdom builder. You are a kingdom builder right where you are. You are called to live differently and love the people around you, even the difficult ones, and to love the staff and the guards at the Murray unit, to build the kingdom, to bring people to church with you, to bring people in a conversation, to steward your story, 
to bring people to Jesus through your correspondence with friends and family. Ladies at the Murray Unit, we are honored to call you family and you are kingdom builders. And let me say this, that crew at the Murray Unit puts this room to shame when it comes to how we do church. When we're talking about worship, they worship. They amen a screen. They laugh at our jokes. They will think that Stuart Big is awesome. I can't even get half of the 830 to keep their eyes open. That's why you're my favorite people in this church, ladies. Let's talk financially some things we've been able to do this year. This year, Red Rocks Austin, we've been able to give over $30,000 to help with needs right in our immediate community. We're talking about sending people to counseling, to rehab, helping single moms, paying bills for people in times of emergency, helping people that are undertaking the great work of foster care to steward some kids that God has placed in their home, over $30,000. This year, Red Rocks Austin has given $56,000 to other churches. Now you may hear that and go, why? Don't you hope that other churches fail so more people come to your church? Uh, no, because the local church is the hope of the world. It is Jesus' plan A for reaching people and building the kingdom. And so if there's a new church plant in town, we'll be at the front of the line to help them get off the ground. If there's a church that's struggling, we will be right there to help pay a bill for them. We had people who came alongside us. Our first year, a couple months in, a church in Denver, Colorado, Jubilee Fellowship Church, they gave our, their whole offering one weekend to us, $80,000 to get us off the ground. And we follow the lead of generous churches like that. Now, let me say a quick word about giving to churches. Some of you, that is the place of the most baggage and you hear a word like tithe and you go, no. Don't even say that to me. Here's what tithing is. It's a biblical principle and tithe means 10th. And so how it worked was the Israelites, God's people, whatever they had, whatever God put in their hands, they would immediately give the first fruits, the first 10, 10th back to their house of worship. And in the New Testament, you get an invitation into that to build the church. It's because of people's generosity and sacrifice of saying, I'm in on this that the church has sustained and built and thrived for 2000 years. Now here's what scripture also says, God loves a cheerful giver. This is a decision in your heart. Now I can tell you when I first started tithing and I was making $25,000 a year in my first ministry job, I didn't feel super cheerful. It's like, geez, the first paycheck and that's already gone, my gosh. But it's become a rhythm of life and a place of freedom for me. Here's why I believe we're called to give to our houses of worship. First, it holds us accountable to those places that we aren't just gonna come spectate and criticize, but instead say, I'm invested here. So I'm gonna be a part of solutions and building the kingdom in this place. It also is a rhythm of open-handedness so that your generosity and your willingness to be a steward does not depend on your emotions on a given day. Because there are months where I'd go, not a good time. Let me close those fists real quick. You may hear that and go, well, that's super convenient for you to say, because you're a pastor of the church we're all sitting in right now. So you're telling us all to give 10%, which is a crazy number, to this church. And here's what I'd say, if this is your home church, you should give here, you should invest here. But let me say something we always say, you don't have to give here, but you should give somewhere. And I'll put my money where my mouth is, or your money maybe, and give you a list of four other churches you can give to if you don't wanna give here. Maybe you just don't like me. Maybe if you feel a hint of obligation, if there's any part of you that feels manipulation, don't give here, don't. Go give to one of these churches. 
We just did a worship night with Capital Movement, an amazing church, go give there. Celebration Church is like a big brother to us in this city. Here's how much we trust them. When the tornadoes happened, they had a plan of action like that. And so we wired them $7,500 and sent our volunteers up there and just said, hey, we trust you guys. Steward this, let us just plug into what you're doing. Give to Celebration Church. Austin Reconciliation Church is just down the street. Pastor Abraham, is, is, he's an amazing man, an amazing gem in this city. Give to that church. Antioch Austin, another incredible church we've linked arms with. You don't have to give here, give somewhere. Invest into the church, God's plan A for reaching the world. And even if you say, I'm not gonna do that, Red Rocks Austin, we still will. Whenever big world events happen, we like to come together with our family in Denver and Brussels and say, what can we do all collectively together? And unfortunately this year, there have been some big world events. As a whole, Red Rocks Church this year has given over $60,000 to efforts in Ukraine to help people on the ground, <laughs> refugees who have had to flee the country, all the way to sending a family who had to resettle in Austin, Texas from the Ukraine, sending them to Target on a shopping spree. When the shooting happened in Buffalo, Red Rocks Church gave $15,000 to the Buffalo Dream Center to serve as a resource for the community there. $10,000 given to Hurricane Ian Relief, gets, getting semi-trucks of supplies to people in need. Close to home for us. This year, Red Rocks Church has given over $40,000 to the community in Uvalde. And sent some of our staff from Denver who are survivors of the Columbine High School shooting to Uvalde to be with families and pray with them and encourage them. And also with resources to purchase new backpacks, school supplies and shoes for every kid in Uvalde to come alongside teachers as they rebuild that community because of the generosity of this church. Right here, just in Austin this year, Red Rocks Austin has given $133,768 to global missions. Building the church, serving people in need from Italy to India, soccer field in Nepal, all kinds of projects through our partners that we get to be a part of. Right here in our city, we've given $124,792 to our local partners. Let me tell you, the last couple years have been pretty challenging for nonprofits. When the economy goes upside down, the first thing that people stop doing is give but we will continue to support our partners financially because we believe in what they're doing. We believe in how they're building the kingdom of God. And they're actually, a bunch of them are in our lobby today with a chance for you to go learn more about what they're doing. You don't wanna give here, go give to one of them. Support what they're doing. And they also have Christmas initiatives, holiday drives, get some diapers, get some toys, go serve at a, a bingo night, be a part of opportunities to give back and steward big during this holiday season. I expect every single one of you to go to one of those tables. I'm gonna be watching. This is just who we are. This is what we do as a family. I watched this on display in one night. Red Rocks Worship was here. We had a big worship night and they had partnered with Humanity and Hope as they were playing in different churches and places around the country. And with Humanity and Hope in the house, in one night, you guys gave $37,000 to provide homes for people in Honduras. Two families got homes out of that night and half of the third home was funded because of the generosity of this family. This is what we do, it's who we are. We steward big and we're just gonna keep inviting you into that. What's coming next? Continual relationship, we're gonna build partnership. We're gonna keep on long-term development with the people that we've been aligned with to work with in Austin and to the ends of the earth globally. 
We're gonna keep showing up to the Murray unit and doing church with the amazing ladies there. We're gonna serve and love our city. And along with the stuff that we are doing, we get to add more things. As our church grows, we have more opportunity to say yes to things. And so one of the core things, probably the, the most important thing to us when it comes to global missions is reaching the unreached. You may not know this, but there are about six to 7,000 unique, distinct ethnic people groups in the world right now who have no access to the gospel. There's no Bible in their language. There's no church in their community. There's no believers there. Revelation 7, 9 paints this picture of eternity where we will be at the throne. We will all be around our heavenly father and there will be people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation worshiping the king. But the reality is right now, some of those people groups, there's not one representative. They've never heard the gospel. So the Great Commission calls us to them to go share the good news of Jesus and be his hands and feet as we serve them. And because of two incredible partners that we have, we get to do that, reach the unreached. Now you won't hear a ton about these things. We won't get to know a lot of the details because of the danger of the work that they're doing. But here's what I can tell you. One organization we work with, and you can learn more about some of their initiatives at blackbox.earth. They are training indigenous workers to go serve in places like Afghanistan, Bhutan, India, Iran, Iraq, Laos, Libya, Nepal, North Korea, Somalia, Syria, and Yemen. We were talking to them recently and they had someone come to them as they're raising money for an indigenous training center. And the person said, hey, I'll match up to $100,000 of whatever gets raised. And so you guys in the past week have committed to this ministry $40,000 to their efforts to this indigenous training center, 35,000 going towards that, 2,500 to supporting the education of 240 girls in Afghanistan and 2,500 to provide milk powder for children in North Korea. This is the kind of stuff that we get to be a part of. Another organization we just got to commit to them, $28,000 a year to support a pastoral training center in the heart of the part of the world in Asia where there is more unreached people around than anywhere else in the world. And Red Rocks Austin has one of these training centers that we are paying and supporting. And because of that, every year, 25 pastors will be trained up and sent to plant churches and reach people with the gospel where it's never been before. And we may not get to hear all these stories and see all the faces, but we will continue to support the work that God is doing to reach the unreached on the other side of the world. And we'll continue to give you opportunities to be a part of that through buying bikes for these pastors and resourcing them as they go. This is the fun stuff that we get to be a part of, the kingdom work, stewardship that God has called us to. The last one I wanna share with you gets my heart. It's what our kids are gonna be doing. Eric and the team in Red Rocks Kids said, hey, we're talking about kingdom builders. We don't just want the adults to hear about that. We want the kids to learn generosity and stewardship. And so all of the kids, there's a giving machine in the lobby right there for, the, for Red Rocks Kids. And all of the money they bring from their allowance, whatever they have and they choose to give, will go towards supporting this little girl, Achatu, through Compassion International. Because of our kids, she will have food to eat. She will have an education and her community will be served because of their generosity. She lives in Burkina Faso, a very different environment than where our kids are growing up. And our kids are gonna steward big for her. If you're skeptical about stewardship, about opening your hands to what God might do through you, watch our kids over the next couple of weeks. Kids have this beautiful innocence. I think once they get out of the everything's mine selfish phase, where they just kind of look at the world and go, well, if that person doesn't have what I have, why wouldn't I give it to them? I watched my son hand his Crocs out of our car to a mom whose kids were on the street. 
because he saw that the kid didn't have shoes. And he goes, I have shoes, you can have mine. Watch our kids. Here's what they teach us. It's not about the number of zeros, it's about the heart. It's about the heart of stewardship. Our very first year, we did our first Kingdom Builders offering. One of my favorite moments in the history of this church, I opened up an envelope and there, uh, on, scribbled on it was the name of a boy, Julian, who's now a young man in this church. And Julian had put $2 in there. And I'm not a very emotional person, but I got some misty eyes because I saw the heart of a steward, of somebody who so sweetly and purely just says, God, this is what I have, could you use it? Could you use what I have for the kingdom? It's like when Jesus saw the widow give her two mites. He's watching people give and he goes, this is all great, but learn from her. She has given from great sacrifice. It's cost her everything, but she's poured it out for the kingdom of God. This is what we get to be a part of. And I'll leave you with this. One day we will be in that Revelation 7, 9 moment. And I don't know how eternity will look and work, but I just picture all these people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. We just get to walk around and hug people and say, hey, you're in the credits of my story. The way that you stewarded your testimony, I'm here because of that. The way that you stewarded your gifts, the way that you worked in our workplace, I'm here because of that. A chatu walking up to one of your kids and going, hey, I had food to eat and an education. I got to know Jesus because of you. You're in the credits of my story. And so for as long as God chooses to have his favor on this church and to use us, we will pour it out and we will steward big and we will continue to invite you so that we can all be at that moment one day and be in the credits of as many stories as possible. And as we say all the time, we are just getting started. You guys stand to your feet and pray with me. Jesus, I thank you for this amazing church family, the stewards of this church. I thank you for what you've done, what you're doing and what you will do. I thank you that you have worked through a bunch of imperfect people pursuing you. God, we just ask that you would continue to use us. Would you open hearts? We celebrate everything that you are doing and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.